There was once a woman, her name was Elizabeth, and uh, she desired to be married to a man named Robert, and her parents disapproved. And they said, no, don't, we don't like him, so if you, if you marry him, we're never going to talk to you again. She married him, and her parents kept her promise. Uh, her and her husband moved away, <clears throat> and she wrote them a letter every week asking to be reconciled, asking to be made right, just, just that they could have peace together. Every week she wrote a letter to them, Asking, may we be at peace. Ten years later, she got a box in the mail with all of the letters unopened. An entire box, ten years full of letters that she got back that all of those letters, if they had just been opened, would have meant maybe some reconciliation. This is Elizabeth Browning. She's a well-known author. And every one of those letters has become one of the most uh, looked-to pieces of English literature. But if her parents had just opened one of those letters, maybe, just maybe, there would have been reconciliation. There maybe would have been peace. Was she wrong because she did not pursue them harder or in a different way or bang down their door? She didn't never knew if she was at peace with her parents. Our Bible passage this morning tells us uh, something about this peace that we're to seek with people. I'm going to read the context and then we will focus specifically on verse 18 of Romans chapter 12. But let me read from verse 9. Because the first words are really important. They give us the context. It says, let love be genuine. Verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Every one of those lines is really important in how we understand verse 18. 18, which says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That is what it means to overcome evil with good. That's what it means to not repay evil for evil. That is what it means to have genuine love. That's what it means to bless those who persecute you. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, if you have any human relationships, you know that peace is not uh, always there. That peace is not just a given in human relationships. If you have any sort of family conflict 
or any conflict with friends over the years, you know that peace isn't always present. Now imagine if the first part of that verse was left out. Look at verse 18. If the first part was left out, and if this verse only read, live peaceably with all, as a directive of God, as a command of God, live peaceably with all, so that if you were not in perfect peace and you didn't have reconciliation all the time, then you would be in direct disobedience to God. Because if he says, live peaceably, and there is no perfect peace in your relationship, then where are you? You would go day in and day out being guilty. You would have this sense of, well, I'm not made right with that person. And and things have not been mended. Things are, are broken between us. And if God says live peaceably, then I am not pleasing God and His wishes. If it's not peaceable, it would be wrong. This would wage war on your soul day in and day out. Even consider how it would affect your own assurance of salvation. Because what does the Bible say that can give you assurance of salvation? Well, John says that a person who knows they're in Christ is a person who is not continuing in sin or continuing in disobedience to God. They are obeying God in all that He does. And if this was a command that said, live peaceably with all, you'd be disobeying God and you would be unsure if you really were in Jesus. Or or if we know that this verse says, if it just says, live peaceably with all, the Bible says, if you know the good you ought to do, and you don't do it, then you sin. So if this would be the good that we ought to do, live at peace, and there is still brokenness, maybe no one returns your phone call, maybe they refuse your letters, and you don't know if there's peace, live peaceably, and you know that's the good you ought to do, but you don't know, so maybe you live in sin. You're disobeying God if He says, live peaceably, and there's no reconciliation. It would be heartbreaking. Because Jesus himself says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So if by this sentence in Romans 12, it would simply read, live peaceably with all, then we would have a room full of people who wouldn't even know if they love Jesus. They wouldn't even have the right to say that they love him. How tiring and downright agonizing would that be? Because you know that peace takes two. It takes two, just like a conflict takes two people, or two opposing opinions. And so peace also takes two people, takes reconciliation between two parties. And so if we were living this life thinking that we have to be at peace with all people, that that's simple and it's straightforward, that even if someone doesn't want to mend our relationship, even if they refuse, then we're in trouble. But this is not the case. We are thankful for the words that begin this verse, which says, if possible. That that is going to be one of the most relieving two words in this passage. If possible. Because if you think about someone that you do not have a perfect relationship with, and there is a bit of hardship, there is a bit of brokenness or distance, these words, if possible, are really important. Really important. It brings a sense of realism, realizing that sometimes it is not possible to live at peace with someone. It's not possible sometimes. That's why there's the word if, if it's possible. Perhaps you're that person struggling with a family member who won't talk to you. Perhaps a friendship that you destroyed 
10 years ago. That's not been reconciled. And you see all the broken relationships in your life and, and people who won't talk. And you know, well, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. I want that blessedness, but I can't have it. Because they won't pick up the phone. They won't read my letters. They won't say they forgive me. Or I can't get in touch with them. You want that blessedness of being a a peacemaker. Or you know that Christians, because of Jesus, we have, according to 1 Corinthians, the, the ministry of reconciliation. It is our job to reconcile relationships. And because it points to the reconciliation of Jesus in our lives, that we've been made right with God, therefore we're supposed to make right with other people so that they can make right with God. When we know that, that we are supposed to be those who, who bring reconciliation, who bring repair to relationship. That's our job. And if you look at that and you say, well, I can't do it. I, I can't. It, it's impossible. These words, if it is possible, bring great relief. Because there is people who have severed relationships, maybe with you, and there is no peace. And even in the foreseeable future, there may be no peace in a relationship. And you wonder, am I at fault? Am I not right with God because He says that I should live peaceably with all? And that's where these words, if possible, are really important. Because they kind of cause us to go, okay, why is it not possible? Am I in the wrong? Am I actually living as I'm supposed to be? Am I... Um, confessing my sin? Am I asking for forgiveness? Am I putting myself aside for the sake of others? Why is it that there may be this brokenness in a relationship? If possible. Well, does that possibility uh, even exist? So the next part of the verse helps us to gauge and evaluate. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. And it doesn't mean that, oh, well, if it's possible, as far as I have energy, then I can live at peace. But if I don't have the energy, it's okay. It says if possible. Or if possible, as far as it depends on me, like if I have the right words to say, or if I have their phone number, or if, if, I, uh, if they've changed or they've asked forgiveness, then, then I could be reconciled to a person. That's not what it means when it says, as far as it depends on you. It means... Where is your heart in the circumstance? Where is your um, attitude in the relationship? Is the continuation of conflict owing to you? Is the continuation of conflict because of your attitude or your actions? So far as it depends on you, is there peace? If a third party was to come in and see this broken relationship of yours, would they be able to evaluate all the evidence and say, you're not at fault anymore? Would that be possible? Because that's what this means. So if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. So could a person come in and say, I've evaluated everything. This relationship's still broken. They still won't talk to you. They're still refusing to be made right with you. But you've done everything you can do. And you are not at fault. You've sought forgiveness. You've put yourself aside. You've put them first. You've begged God for reconciliation. Could a person evaluate your broken relationships that way and say, as far as it depends on you, you are innocent in breaking the peace and causing division. What part have you played in moving a relationship forward? Have you pursued 
reconciliation. It's amazing to think of, of the damage that people can do in your life. And sometimes the cost it is to you to reconcile with them, right? Some people may have hurt you deeply. And, and to reconcile, to be at peace with them, is hard work. But it's not impossible. It's not. You think of the story of Joseph. Man, Joseph's relationship with his brothers, what did they do to him? They sold him to slaves. They convinced his dad he was murdered, de- devoured by an animal, dead. They, they put his father through agony. They put him through agony. And when time came, when his brothers came to Joseph, how did he treat them? Did he say, no, there's no peace between us because you haven't asked my forgiveness yet. No, there's no peace because i got a bone to pick with you. No, but by God's grace, in Joseph's heart, he saw how God was providentially working, how God was sovereign over the situation, that he was hurt because God allowed him to be hurt. He was taken as a slave because God allowed him to be taken as a slave. And so he didn't look to what his brothers did. He didn't look to their actions and say, based on your actions, there's no peace. Instead, Joseph looked to God and said, because I know God's in control, I can give it all away. All of this resentment he could have had, all of the bitterness that he could have had and maybe you have, Joseph said, I don't need to have that. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. Can you do that in your relationships? The things that are broken, the people that you have broken relationships with, you can you say, it's not on me anymore. I have given it to God. I have forgiven them even if they've not asked. I have pursued reconciliation with them. My hands are clean. And if they come into touch with me, then we will see if I have done my part in giving it over to God and trusting God. It's amazing the example we see in Joseph. And it wasn't by his own strength and his own power. And that's the beauty of the story of Joseph. Is that it's not as though he was an amazing man. It's a, he was the man who trusted in God's plan. And so when you think about your own efforts to reconcile and be at peace with people. Sometimes we look inward and say, well, I didn't have the strength. Or I can't get over this thing. Or I'm having a hard time. They hurt me deeply. And maybe they did. But can you, like Joseph, look to the God who is overall and say, God, you've allowed this. Take, take this to God. Don't just take it to another person. Don't just stew about it in front of the mirror. Take your brokenness and your broken relationships before God and say, all right, God, you were there when we had that fight. You were there when we are now in a broken relationship and you allowed that. So I'm going to bring that to you. Either you're going to make this right and mend it And you need to forgive me for my sinfulness in it. And I need their forgiveness. But you take it all to God and and lay it before Him and say, God, I trust you. That if this is to be made perfectly right, like in Joseph's case, he had the the blessedness of his brothers returning and and seeing his father again. There was joy, but sometimes the story does not end that way. Sometimes it ends like Elizabeth Browning, where she got a box full of letters back. She tried to reconcile. Depends on her. As far as it depended on her, she sought peace with all, including her parents who abandoned her. What part do you play? As far as it depends on you. There's this beautiful uh, verse in Matthew chapter 5 
which relates to this topic, whenever I think about this, when people say, you know, have I done enough? Have I done what I'm supposed to do? Matthew chapter 5, the context is, is anger and bitterness and sin, and, and that happens in all broken relationships. So perhaps you were the party who was angry and bitter, but maybe not. Either way, the, the, the solution is the same. I love Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. It says, So, if you're going to offer your gift at the altar, if you're going to go worship God, and then you remember that your, your brother has something against you, that somebody's got something against you, that there's not peace. If you remember that someone has something against you, he says, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, many people have read that passage in isolation. and say It says, first be reconciled, then you may come, then you may worship God, then you may have a, a, a perfect, uh, a restored relationship with God, and you may worship Him as you ought. First be reconciled. Well, well, what if I can't be reconciled? What if there is irreconcilable differences? What if they will not forgive me, or they will not speak to me? What if? That's where you have the whole biblical theology of peace, and you come to Romans chapter 12, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace. And that's why in Matthew chapter 5, it says, all right, you've realized your brother has something against you. You need to, as far as it depends on you, deal with it. So leave your gift there and go and try to be made right with your brother. Be reconciled to him. Seek his forgiveness. Do what needs to be done. If you owe him a debt, pay it. If you've broken something, fix it. So far as it depends on you, do it. Pursue peace and then come back to the altar of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 is a well-known verse for the second half of it. It says, the second half, you, you may be familiar when you hear it, it says, so people say, seek holiness without which no one will see the Lord, right? We, we know that verse to go, okay, I need to be holy, I need to strive to be holy because without holiness I will not see the Lord. The first part of that verse says, strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It is vital for the Christian to strive for peace. We are people not marked by complacency and say, there's a broken relationship, but you know, if it fits, it's fixed. Or once they finally come to me and seek forgiveness, then, then I will forgive them and I will let go of this thing. That's not the attitude of the Christian heart. The attitude of the Christian heart is freely forgiven. Isn't it? Think of what Christ did to you. He forgave you. The, the brokenness that was between you and Him was infinite. And yet, He is the Prince of Peace. And He came and He made peace between you and God. It's beautiful. Because it says, strive for peace with everyone. Well, how are we to do that? How are we to strive? When we are people who are prone to bitterness, we're prone to holding on to things, holding grudges, staying angry, being right, who in here doesn't want to be right? So then when we have to admit maybe we're wrong, in order to be at peace, the Bible says do it. When it says... That there is a, a large cost to you being a peace. It says, do it. Strive for it. As long as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, everything you can do, be at peace with everyone. Live peaceably. 
So the question in our passage then is, does this relate to the harmony we see in verse 16 that we looked at a number of weeks ago? What is that harmony we looked at? Well, there it was people singing the same song. Maybe different notes, different giftings, different abilities, different ages and stages, doing the same thing, singing the same song, following the same conductor, living in harmony. That was referring to brothers and sisters in Christ. But here in verse 18, it says, live peaceably with all. Enemies, unbelievers, people who hate you, people who hate God, live at peace with them. It's not harmony. Doesn't mean you have to do what they do. Follow what they follow. Live like they live. That's not what peace is. Peace is not just coming together and just pretending everything's okay. That's not peace. Peace is about forgiveness. Peace is about forgiveness. Think about even the story of David and Saul, right? How many times when Saul, King Saul, was pursuing David, and David had him. David could have killed him. But David, a man of peace, he didn't. He didn't. He knew God's plan. He knew knew God had ordained Saul to be king at that time, so he was not going to thwart God's plan. David would not be guilty of that. So he said, who should harm the king, God's anointed? So David just trusted God in that time, and he didn't kill Saul, although he had opportunity after opportunity. David sought pieces so far as it depended on him, and is based on his trust in God, he pursued peace with Saul. Like he just wanted to be made right with Saul. He'd come to Saul and say, Look, I got I got your garment. Like I could have sliced your head off. But instead I just took a piece of your clothes and, and I want to be made right with you. I don't want there to be an anonymity between us. And and Saul says, Yeah, 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 we should we should be made right. Five minutes later turns around and tries to kill David again. So far as it depended on David, he sought peace with King Saul. The way in which we are to seek peace with all is through forgiveness. How many times do you think about the relationships that are broken? Is it because you got angry? Or even if you didn't get angry and someone sinned wholly against you, now you're bitter. So therefore there's no peace. You think you have every right to hold it against them in your heart. That you can slander them. Make sure that they have a bad name now. You can make sure that people don't like them because they've hurt you. That is not the Christian attitude. The Christian attitude is so far as it depends on you, strive for peace. And the way we get peace is through forgiveness. Perhaps you need to forgive someone today. Maybe you'll write them a letter. Maybe they won't open it. Maybe you don't have their phone number. Maybe they're dead. Have you forgiven people who that you're hold, you hold things against? So far as it depends on you, if someone's looking into your life, and specifically if God examines your heart, so far as it depends on you, are you at peace with all? <laughs> have you asked forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong? Have you sought forgiveness for your wrongdoings? That's, that's the Christian attitude. That's what we're told to do here so far as it depends on us. And, and that's why the words, if possible, is also really important. Because maybe it's not possible. Maybe that person is your, your uh, dead grandparent. 
And, and you know that even though they're, they're dead, they're not alive, they're still in your heart. There's really not a peace in that relationship. It was broken. Um, they hurt you or you hurt them. If possible, so far as it depends on you, is your heart uh, at fault still or is it not? Have you brought it to God and said, God, you need to mend this in my heart. I need forgiveness, even if they're not here to give it. Have you sought forgiveness with people who are alive? Have you sought their forgiveness? Asking forgiveness is a humbling thing. Just like we want to be right, we also want to be proud. We don't want to have to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I was wrong. Forgive me for this or for that. Asking someone's forgiveness, and I try to teach this to my children, is not just words. Every time my daughter's in trouble, she always just right away, please forgiveness, please forgiveness. I was like, I just don't want you to just hear your words. And I will forgive you. But I want you to understand why you need forgiveness. Same thing with us. How childish are we sometimes when we say, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. We just say it, right? It's words just so that we can think, I've made it better. Now, in your heart, have you really humbled yourself and said, I need you to forgive me. I have wronged you in these ways. There was a relationship in my life that I had much bitterness about. Much bitterness. It built up and built up over years. And when Charlotte and I were in premarital counseling, it came up. Our counselor talked about it because he saw that I was bitter. I said, no way. And so over months and months, I dealt with this bitterness in my own heart, bringing it to God and saying, yeah, I was wronged. Yeah, he did do that to me. Yes, it did hurt. And so months and months of dealing with this bitterness in my own heart and giving it to God and seeking God's forgiveness, after I was able to do that, um, God impressed upon my heart, I need to do this. I need to apply this verse. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. So what did I do? I, I went to this person who had hurt me over years and years, and I said, listen, I have a lot to say to you, but all I want to say is I need your forgiveness, because I've been bitter towards you when you didn't know it, and I've been angry towards you and you didn't know it, and I've had expectations of you and you didn't know it. I need you to forgive me. You would not believe the reconciliation and the peace that came. When we obey God, as hard as it may be, here's the thing, I did not go to him and say, you need to apologize for this, 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 and this. Those are the reasons that I'm bitter. And therefore, once you apologize, then I'm going to stop being bitter. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to seek peace as far as it depends on us. Even if the other person never changes. Even if they never ask forgiveness. Even if they never pursue you. Even if they hide from you. Seek peace as far as it depends on you. Seek forgiveness and give forgiveness. Are you holding anything against someone that you have not forgiven them for? If so, you're not living peaceably. You're you're holding on to something. You're holding on to a grudge. You keep bringing that thing back up to your spouse. Remember that time? Don't do that. That is not living peaceably. It's not going to produce good fruit, gospel fruit of forgiveness where you can then, in that relationship or in others who evaluate you, say, yes, as far as it depends on me, I pursue reconciliation because that's what Jesus does. That's what he did for me and that's what I want him to do in your life. Therefore, I'm a minister of reconciliation. 
I serve the ministry. I, that, that's the amazing thing. You know, a lot of people think being in ministry means working at a church or being a missionary. No, every Christian has this ministry. You have a job to do every day, and it's to be a minister of reconciliation. Serve out reconciliation. You can't do that if you're not at peace yourself. You can't, because you don't know it. You don't know what peace means. So therefore, how are you dishing out peace? How are you telling people to be made at peace? You know, the peace that surpasses all understanding the Bible talks about? That's our relationship with Jesus. That's a relationship with Christ. It is a relationship of forgiveness and grace and mercy. Is that evident in your life to others? Forgiveness and grace and mercy. Is that true of you? So when it says that we are to live peaceably with all, the first thing we must think about is, am I at peace with God? Am I at peace with God? The beautiful thing is how we are made right with God. How we are made at peace with God. It is not through us paying back some debt or trying to do better. But it's by us seeking Christ's forgiveness through grace and the mercy that he, he gives us. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest, eternal rest. You don't have to be that way anymore. You don't have to carry your guilt and shame anymore. You come. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. He is our peace. So then, if you have that peace with Christ, you have that peace with the God who made you, the God who you offended, the God who you sin against, if you have peace with Him because of Jesus... Because Jesus has stood on your behalf and bore all that you deserved. If you have that peace, then you are to be a peacemaker. You're to realize that peace comes through forgiveness. That peace comes through doing all that you can do by God's grace to share forth the gospel. To reflect Jesus in how you live in your relationships. I know you're thinking of someone who you don't have a great relationship with. As far as it depends on you, have you been at peace with them? Have you pursued peace with them? Have you been merciful to them because they've hurt you? Have you sought forgiveness because you've sinned against them? So far as it depends on you, live at peace with all because when we do, it displays the gospel. It displays the peace of God that He gives us in Jesus through forgiveness of sins, through reconciliation of relationship. That's what Christ does to us and it's what Christ does through us. Are you that person? Are you living that way? And sometimes it just takes you literally evaluating your own heart. Like, do I have any bitterness? Like, if someone evaluated my heart, if God evaluates my heart, Am I right with people in my life who have hurt me? Am I right with people in my life who I have hurt? Just simple evaluating. And then you bring it to God. Bring it to God like Joseph brought it to God. God, you were there. And I trust that you providentially work in the strangest of ways. What they meant for evil, you meant it for good, oh God. And so I trust that. And so I need to be made right here. And I want to be able to be gracious and forgiving. And I need grace and I need forgiveness so that I can then have a a testimony. 
I can have an ear to hear now so that I can tell them about Jesus and how He's changed me. So I can show people that Jesus has given me uh, His peace even though I don't deserve it. Can you think of those people in your life who do not deserve peace? Who do not deserve your forgiveness? Man, let's live like Christ. By His grace, through His strength, let's live like Christ. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Oh God, You are not like us. There is none like You. And yet, even though we've sinned against You, there's there's peace possible. So God, we are so glad for that. That You may and You make a way for there to be peace between You and us, those who have sinned against You, those who are broken. God, thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ. That through His sacrifice, through His agony, through His taking on all of that pain and all of that wrath, thank You that through Him, through His love, we can have peace with You. God, we want to be people who extend that same peace to others. God, we know that sometimes it does not seem possible in this life. And that sometimes we feel guilty because of that, because we have not heard the words, I forgive you, or because that person is gone. But God, so far as it depends on us, would you help us to live at peace so that we may preach the Prince of Peace. We want to do this for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.